Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide. So, welcome to Global Bitcoin Fest and Turkey. Very excited to do this space about Bitcoin in Turkey, Bitcoiners in Turkey, and what's happening over there. And Global Bitcoin Fest, we are a group of plebs. We started doing this back in 2021 when uh, Nayib Bukele announced that he will implement Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador on a Twitter space. After that, we started hanging out in Twitter spaces in Spanish and giving away free sats, trying to explore first El Salvador and what's happening there. And then we did Mexico, we did Cuba, we did Venezuela. And one day, a guy in the chat group that we had created for organizing these things suggested that, hey, let's do a 24-hour non-stop Twitter space where we celebrate the adoption of Bitcoin in El Salvador. Let's do it on the 7th of September. And uh, all of us thought, hey, this is a little bit crazy. But within 12 hours, we were all on top of this and more and more people were joining in and it was just uh, having a life of its own. And within six, seven days, we did this uh, 24-hour non-stop Twitter space and it was really amazing. There was so many Bitcoiners coming and sharing their stories from all over the world. And I think we counted to around 18 Bitcoin communities that did their own one-hour sessions. And uh, we had special sessions about the legal aspects and other things. And after this 24 hours, we were like, okay, let's keep doing this. Let's do it every week. And let's do one country every week. So that's what we've been doing. And that's what we're doing now. And now we're doing Turkey. So with that, uh, let's um, hear a little bit about each one of you, uh, your story. Very curious to hear. And uh, I'll start with a short presentation of myself. I became Bitcoin Maxi about a year ago when I had been already I spent about a year thinking about what to do with the money that I got from selling my company in 2020 and I went through all kinds of assets thinking okay should I place it in gold should I place it in stocks and so on and uh, it was uh, very frustrating because everything just seemed really highly priced it was really hard to to figure out what's what was happening in the market because it was covid 2020 everything was insane and after doing a lot of research on different assets and also researching startups because i've been building my own startup before i thought maybe i could invest in startups and help them grow and that would be a way to manage my money but i realized that's also not a good way because I don't want to spend time building other people's companies. I want to build my own company. And I came to the conclusion eventually that Bitcoin was the only way for me to 
save my money, not have to spend all my time trying to research the markets or work with a startup or basically manage the money. I could just put the savings away and think about what I want to do instead and next. And uh, Bitcoin would beat inflation and it would never go to zero. And uh, after that, I started hanging out in Twitter spaces in spring 2021. And I became more and more maxi and uh, got a lot of real friends here. So I'm very thankful for Bitcoin. And now I'm giving back by uh, engaging in Global Bitcoin Fest and doing some of these spaces. So that's me. Would you like to go next, Mary? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Mary. And um, uh, I was born in Turkey, actually. Um, and so when I became a Bitcoiner sometime in uh, 2020, 2021, I, and I started learning more about Bitcoin, the first, one of the first things that came to my mind was, um, are there Bitcoiners in Turkey? So ever since then, I've been looking for, uh, you know, Bitcoin, Turkish Bitcoin maxi spaces or um, communities as much as I, I could, because I knew but I knew that there was this interest in um, Bitcoin from like some Turkish ads that I, I watched because I still watch like Turkish shows. Um, so I was so excited to come across um, Yumi Bir, um, which is a Bitcoin only podcast in Turkey. And I, was, I just kept looking for who's behind all this. And um, like that's why this particular space is so exciting for me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I was born in Turkey, uh, lived there for a long time. In fact, to me, Turkey is my home. Um, I am half Nigerian and half Filipino, but um, I have, you know, I was like very deep into Turkish culture for a long time. Um, I still watch Turkish shows, just trying to stay in touch, even though I've not, um, even though I moved to Nigeria sometime in 2006. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. And you're doing a podcast called Nobcast. Together oh yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> that is true. So I am a podcast host for a Bitcoin-only podcast called The Nobcast. And The Nobcast is run by BitNob, which is a Bitcoin-only company. Um, and I work in BitNob too, so it's like a dream come true. So I work in a Bitcoin-only company talking about Bitcoin, interviewing with Bitcoins on a weekly basis. Hey, thank you, Mary. Hey, El Flaco, do I call you El Flaco or do I call you by another name? You can call me El Flaco or Kemal. Uh, that's my real name. And uh, yeah, hi, everyone. And uh, yeah, thanks for host hosting us here. So um, I'm Turkish and uh, Turkish speaking, yeah, but I was not born in Turkey. I was I spent most of my life in Germany, where I was born in South Germany, and where I also was when I discovered Bitcoin. And uh, I moved to Turkey only one and a half years ago. So before that, um, I was yeah working um, and studying in, in Germany in Munich, and that's in the south of Germany, and. Um, yeah, and before I found Bitcoin, I was a lot in the internet and 
in forums and uh, on Reddit and um, uh, a lot, uh, very engaged in uh, P2P file sharing scene, especially in the music uh, mu music stuff. So I was looking for music. I wanted to, to listen to all of the music and have access to it. So I was a real music nerd. And, um, and there, there's this very rich scene um, of, yeah, you would call them pirates probably, but very organized uh, in the depth of the web on IRC channels and stuff. So I was hanging out there a lot. And when I found Bitcoin, like um, I recognized or that um, there is a lot of intersections um, between like this, this hackers scene and the pirate scene, um, really like the hacker ethics in, and yeah, freedom of information and um, access, free access to everything and stuff like that. So, um, and yeah, sometime around 2016 I or 17, I discovered, well, I, I, I dove more into Bitcoin and um, just uh, followed the block size wars. And uh, then also found out about a local meetup in Munich, um, where I could, where we, where they did like physical meetings uh, once a month about Bitcoin, since 2011 or even 2010. So very early Bitcoiners that I met there, and um, and yeah, um, also like had the was fortunate that the Munich Bitcoin scene was very vibrant. There was like different conferences going on, like the Bitcoin Tech Days organized by Daniel Wingen or the Lightning Hack Days in 2019 organized by Fulmo. And um, yeah, just participating in these, I've, I've, uh, I noticed that these people are genuine and um, not scammers. Um, and um, yeah, like Bitcoin is really um, this global movement of very smart people, developers who are trying to bring about global change and solve like fundamental problems in the world with technology. Um, and, it, and they are very different from all of the other um, projects that um, can be subsumed as or that label themselves as crypto or cryptocurrency or whatever. And so there's, yeah, meeting these people at conferences, listening to them talk um, and present and brainstorm and not trying to sell anything to me, being very skeptical about Bitcoin and very critical of its shortcomings themselves. Um, well, yeah, basically convinced me um, that, yeah, this is a genuine effort and not just a money grab. And so I dug more into it and, uh, and learned about it. And yeah, sometimes around um, end of 2020, um, yeah, we moved during when it was possible to work remote. We, yeah, I just grabbed my family and we moved to Istanbul. And, um, and yeah, um, also maybe worth mentioning is that um, in 2000, 19 um, in Germany there was also like in the in the digital space there was a lot of noise and um, and crypto and shitcoinery so there was not really a strong Bitcoin signal 
And again, I was fortunate enough to to really early find uh, the Einen 20 crew um, around uh, Gigi and Markus, uh, Daniel Wingen and Dennis, who had started a Bitcoin-only podcast uh, called Einen 20. And um, yeah, that's uh, around that a really nice um, Bitcoin maxi community of node runners and um, yeah, Bitcoin evangelists evolved that grew very quickly um, from, well, in the beginning it was like a small group, uh, but it continuously grew. And now I think the Telegram group has like over 3000 people, um, really hardcore maximalists, uh, understanding Bitcoin pretty well, becoming active themselves and contributing back, uh, doing meetups all over Germany, um, like really this grassroots movement um, um, that is a very strong Bitcoin signal and um, yeah, putting shitcoiners into their place also on Twitter and uh, on, the, on these meetups. So when I came to Turkey, that was something that, that was very similar, the situation I found to yeah, Germany a couple of years ago before it had this very strong Bitcoin signal. So together with Stackmore, we decided we will do a fork of 21 uh, and just, well, 21 just means uh, 21 in German. So we made our fork and called it Yirmibir, which means 21 in Turkish. And uh, yeah, now if you, yeah, and we've been doing it for a year approximately and uh, yeah, finding more and more basically or helping others find us are Bitcoin only because there is not too many um, places where Bitcoin only people can can meet, and that's really bad because then um, they they question their sanity and think like, oh, shitcoining is something that's normal and I need to do, and I, if I don't do it, I get lost, I, I get left behind. Um, so it's really important to have like this uh, oasis where, yeah, Bitcoin only is uh, celebrated and uh, and everyone else is declared uh, insane um, and and yeah that's what we're trying to do I love the story thank you so um, stack more stack more stack more do I call you stack more yeah please you can call me stack more because it's actually not like an order for other people. It's a reminder for me, you know? So whenever I look at my Twitter name, I'm reminded to stack more, basically. Yeah, so uh, I was yeah, born and raised in Turkey, and I studied in Arizona for, like, I was there for five years. And actually, I was in the place where whole Finney is... Uh, frozen now like i was close to scottsdale so there's like some little fun fact uh, about arizona anyhow i eventually like discovered bitcoin in 2011 over uh, like while i was playing this online game and there was this guy from sweden and he was like really like ah non-stop talking about bitcoin in 2011 he's like oh you guys need to uh, learn what bitcoin is like put some money in it it's like 
uh, it's borderless, decentralized, blah, blah, blah. He was like, no, stop talking about it. And I am a curious-natured person, so I'm like, okay, what is this Bitcoin? So, yeah, I started to read about it, and I actually even downloaded uh, the Bitcoin Core pro uh, program. Uh, it, the version was 0 0.5.0, but then I, I, I don't know, I checked it and I tried to mine a little bit, but I don't know what happened back then, but I, I really cannot remember it, but I failed to yeah mine Bitcoin and there were not too many options to buy Bitcoin back then. So yeah, I gave up on it. And yeah, a couple of years later, I found this exchange that takes Turkish lira. And I said, nah, it was 2013. And I was like, okay, this exchange is located in Cyprus. The laws, business laws in Cyprus are a little lenient. So it could be a fraud. So I said, no, I'm not touching this, you know. And finally, 2017 came. And yeah, we had this referendum in Turkey and it was kind of disappointing for me and I mean I don't know who else it was disappointing for but I know it was also disappointing for Elija and then we said okay like you know how can we protect our money from becoming toilet paper uh, then we started to invest in Nasdaq and we initially started investing in Ethereum <laughs> which was because we had no idea what kind of a shithole it was, you know. I'm sorry for the curse. Uh, yeah, so it was a short period for me, especially. Like, I didn't like the project at all, whatever, you know. And, of course, we had this, like, 2017 bull run and, like, oh, so much marketing agendas on ICOs and how everything could be blockchainized and blah, blah, blah. I personally got lucky over that period because I don't know I didn't really uh, distribute because I need to spend time, a lot of time, to read and understand and actually be active in the community to see if people are like somewhat like me, you know. So yeah, and after that do your own research part. In 2018, I was like a yeah, Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, and yeah, the first time that I really got into Bitcoin more was this Berlin Blockstack conference. So Blockstack was more like a Bitcoin company back then. And they had these speakers like Elizabeth Stark was there. Uh, you know, uh, Edward Snowden was there on live uh, video, not physically, because <laughs> the conference was located in Berlin and it was literally next to the US embassy. So if he was physically there, they would break the wall and like grab him and leave probably. Uh, so yeah, and of course Nick Zabo was there and I gave him some seashells as a present and yeah. Uh, and in Turkey, we kiss each other on two cheeks, and I gave him that awkward uh, Turkish kiss, and he was like, uh, you know. But was a was a very good conference, you know. So that changed my whole, yeah, look at Bitcoin. And since then, my conviction only grows. Now, I don't want to touch anything but Bitcoin. So I think that's it for me. 
thank you so much. Very interesting to have Bitcoiner from all the way back to 2011. Um, I don't consider 2011. It's like I didn't dip my toes in it enough, you know. So <laughs> it's true, actually. Yeah, um, and I'm I've bad at remembering names and uh, i have this cmhr what, what what should i call you uh you can call me jumhur but uh, i jumhur. want uh, ali jan to walk first because i am the baby maximalist in this space right now <laughs> so. okay 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 ali can also lucas it's important in turkish we read c's the letter c as j not k because otherwise his name becomes a little weird Ah, okay. Ali it's Jan. not Pampers. So Ali Jan, correct? Yes, it's Ali Jan. Yes, that's right. So, hey everyone. Uh, again, I'm Ali Jan. And uh, Lucas, thanks for hosting the spaces. Uh, I have a background in engineering and I'm a self-taught developer. Uh, I'm working on my own startup. Uh, it's a curated knowledge base, knowledge base uh, which is highly influenced by my own learning experience in Bitcoin as well. And as a side project, we are working on an open source single page explainer website, uh, which very briefly tries to differentiate between Bitcoin and the rest of cryptocurrencies. I think clearing this confusion is one of the most critical things in the space. Like people have no idea uh, about what money is, what Bitcoin is, and what are the uh, differences. Uh, like, they are different beasts, and people have no idea about that. And we plan to launch it soon as well. Uh, and my origin story uh, started back in 2017. Uh, Shukri, Shukri Stackmore talked about it a bit. Uh, at that time, as a country, we were getting poorer and poorer each time. Uh, our president tested his strange economic theories uh, on the whole uh, Turkish population. So uh, as a group of close friends, we bought some tech stocks to escape uh, from the local uh, consequences. Uh, and then I bought some Ether, uh, thinking it's a better uh, version of Bitcoin, Bitcoin 2.0. And Vitalik uh, is a genius, like this was the Joe Lubin propaganda uh, we were fed up with and yeah like uh, this is at a time I had no understanding of what money is or what the trade-offs are uh, in these blockchain systems and actually like recently I revisited uh, some of our WhatsApp conversations uh, between uh, this group of friends and it's deeply embarrassing. So I'm like, uh, I'm shilling uh, Ether uh, to all my friends, uh, saying like, this is much better. Uh, Vitalik is a truly genius leader of this project and blah, blah, blah. And I think in 2017, uh, everything started to change uh, when I first read uh, Nick Zabo's uh, shelling out on the origins of money. Uh, and after reading that article, uh, and if there are some people who haven't read that, please just uh, exit the spaces, uh, close the spaces and read that article. <laughs> so uh, I was like, holy shit, like there is a huge stuff that's going on and I have no idea of. And like this thing called money or the history and the evolution of money is not something that's being taught in schools. So I was very 
uh, impressed and like that caught my attention. And since then, like I've been consuming a huge uh, number of Bitcoin and related contents. Uh, and the more you learn about Bitcoin, uh, like the more you go all in on Bitcoin. So first I got rid of the shit coins and then I got rid of the tech stocks. <laughs> so I guess uh, now I'm almost uh, all in Bitcoin, I guess. So you yeah. still have a 2012 MacBook Pro that you use. That's also like an important thing. Uh, yes. And yeah. And most of my t-shirts are uh, 10 year olds. So yes, uh, I'm a bit vintage in terms of saving money. Uh, and yeah, uh, like learning about Bitcoin is, I guess, a truly humbling experience. Uh, like this is mostly about the foldability of humans and centralized systems. And living in Turkey, you're having this real-time experimentation uh, going on <laughs> with your money as well. So like once you uh grasp the the main the core idea of bitcoin uh you can very easily test your theories uh living in turkey as well uh and we have a small but a very hardcore group of bitcoiners in turkey and it's extremely motivating uh to be around these guys so yeah uh like bitcoin uh is a truly truly global and diverse group of people and like my first or main organization uh, was in Istanbul uh, back in February. Uh, Fulmo uh, organized a lightning hackathon in Turkey. And like seeing people from all around the world uh, with different uh, values and different uh, uh, cultures uh, all coming to the same conclusion in their own ways was truly, truly fascinating. And yeah, that's that's about it, I guess. Thank you very much. Very inspiring story. Thank you. And I'll call you Junior from now on, CNHR, so I don't have to... It's totally fine. No yeah, worries. okay. <laughs> cool. uh, uh, yeah, you can call me Baby Max, by the way, also. So uh, how can I start? Uh, I was a shitcoiner in... 2017, and notorious one, and totally brainwashed one. And whatever Alijan said also uh, also applies to me. Uh, I lost lots of money back then. I was a GPU miner also. And I started to look for another projects to keep our uh, my money, my wealth, uh, purchasing power, and lost another amounts of money and this come to the point that I had enough and at that mo at that moment I uh, just before the pandemic I if I remember right I was looking for something robust to protect my uh, my wealth pur purchasing power and I start to read a lot and I start to uh, follow At that time, I didn't know that they are plebs, they are Bitcoiners, they are maximalists, but I found some people and started to follow their articles, read some books, uh, follow their podcasts, and uh, became a maximalist, but it was maybe a year for now. I, I'm an attorney at law, 
in Turkey. I born, I was born, raised, and still living in Turkey. In this whole time, uh, I just think about this cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or whatever you call this space is not taken seriously because something is going on in the world financially, but uh, there are so few people knew about this, know, know about this. And I just noticed that before uh, before that, I was totally, I, I was kind of a total noob about this. Uh, when I first found out on YouTube, Ant- Antonopoulos uh, little seminar like video, and after that American Hodel, then uh, I also later uh, learned he, who he is and his podcast. Those two uh, just made me aware of what's going on, actually. And then all these shit coins or whatever you call means their lo- uh, meaning for me. And after that, I was not all in, but close to all in in uh, Bitcoin. And I found this uh, fellow plebs in Yirmebir 21 in Turkish, uh, maybe five months ago. And I, uh, when I met them, I just realized that they are exactly what I was in kind of person, kind of people. So uh, it was very relieving for me. And now I'm here. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, Baby Maxi. So uh, we are very curious to learn about Turkey. We read constantly the news about Turkey topping uh, or being one of the countries at the top of the inflation list, the countries with the highest inflation in the world. And of course, there's some history to that, that uh, you guys know very well. But before we say start in present time, um, could you share a little bit about, um, say, Turkey history? and then walk us into present time about Turkey. Who would like to uh, kick off this part with about Turkey? Uh, I can start. Well, I have a very early memory of inflation. Basically, I want to start with that. I think the year was 1992 or 1993, one of my earliest memories, because it was a huge disappointment. So, yeah, I was at my cousin's house, who was a couple years older than me, and he had this, like, huge T-Rex piggy bank, or a piggy bank that was shaped like T-Rex, you know? So, you know, it was very full, and one day we said, okay, let's break this and see how many ice creams we can get this summer, blah, 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 you know? So we end up breaking the piggy bank, and this so much money in it, you know, so many coins in it. And then, like, oh, we take them, we, we like, you know, uh, collect them and separate them, like, sort them according to the different values and all that stuff, like, basically from the sizes. So, and then, yeah, we call our parents and look, like, we have this much money, can you, like, give us, like, a paper money instead, you know, blah, blah, blah. So my father came to the room and he's like, well, 
This money is out of circulation. Oh, this one is also out of circulation. Uh, 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 this one, this one is okay. It's still in circulation, but we also lost this one, you know? So I was like, fuck, you know, this money doesn't work anymore. So I came to that realization at age of four or five or whatever. I was very young. And yeah, <laughs> that was the first time I met inflation, basically. You know, we grew up, then we became, oh, everybody I know became millionaires because million was like the norm, normal money, you know. Like, for example, you could buy uh, two bottles of uh, water for half liter water for one million or one million liras in 2006. And in 2006, all of a sudden, they decided that, you know, it was kind of hard uh, it, to have too many zeros, so they got rid of six zeros. And in that time, a dollar was around 1.2 Turkish liras after they took out the zeros, you know, and all of a sudden none of the people I knew were millionaires or billionaires, you know, like before. Uh, yeah, so we went through that and today we added a zero to the Turkish lira again. So for example, a dollar is like six, nearly 16 liras now. I mean, I'm not even talking about the Bitcoin price because, you know, we could have the Bitcoin all time high in the next 10 days in Turkish liras and I wouldn't be surprised, basically. Uh, can I add something to that? I think inflation has a very long history uh, in Turkey, uh, probably for the last 100 years. Uh, politicians have been abusing uh, the easy money trap. And like culturally, buying relatively harder assets like gold, houses and land is very deeply embedded in the culture like most people are probably have no understanding of like uh what's going on in the background uh but like by mimicking or by just out of the evolutionary cultural uh forces uh they have this huge tendency of uh getting rid of the local currency as soon as possible so <laughs> in a way uh we have this uh cultural preparation uh which makes it somehow easy for some people to understand bitcoin uh but yeah like as chris ed said uh in 2004 or six uh, uh like with hand calculators it was really hard to make these huge calculations and like the numbers the calculations were getting out of scope uh, so basically they decided to get rid of zeros and now with this huge inflation, uh, I think we are back on track <laughs> with having zeros. So yeah, that's a huge problem. But you know, Elijah, oh, sorry, Mel, just a real quick, uh, insert here. You know, I think we have superior mathematics, uh, because as children, you know, we had these mathematics books and yeah, the numbers, numbers were in millions. So yeah. We have that advantage, I think. I mean, I can totally relate with um, Stockmore's story because uh, I also had a money box and the same exact thing that you experienced when you were little happened to me too. Um, so I used to save uh, in coins and then uh, when I wanted to buy things, it, 
it later turned out that all those coins were no longer in circulation. So when you said the story, it just took me back several years. Um, but as for the history of Turkey, um, I can, I'll just say the, the little I know, and if I make a mistake, please correct me. I kusurma bakmayın. Um, so the, I personally, from my perspective, um, especially when growing up, Turkey has actually a very rich history um, and it was greatly influenced by different countries. Even the Turkish language itself has elements of that. So the Turkish language was actually, uh, you can hear like Arab, some Arabic words, some Iranian words, some um, words in French as well, just to tell you how rich its history is and the influence that um, Turkey gathered over the years. Um, they have this um, national hero um, called Mustafa Kemal Atatürk. And I think from that point on, there was this huge move to um, make Turkey more secular. There was this new, like if you look at Turkey, they are the most secular and they're quite open to a lot of advancement. And I think that we owe, or the Turkish community or Tur Turkey as a country, owes that a lot to um, Mustafa Kemal. Um, because from my stay in Turkey, you see that there are people who like to adapt to different cultures and also learn from other cultures, most especially from their European um, neighbors. Um, and looking into the Turkish culture, um, I just, you'll see that they have this strong value for gold. Um, I know that when I was growing up, gold was something that a lot of families had. Uh, you see it in their weddings, they pin gold on um, the brides and they usually use gold as a form of security. And it is a cultural habit that has been carrying on for years and I'm sure they're still doing it now. Um, just to tell you that they have this understanding of you know, laying down a a foundation for the future. Um, there's hardly any um, any Turkish bride that was not given gold. With the gold, the couple is able to buy a house or put it into other investments. Um, and that just gives you an understanding that, okay, these the Turkish people know and value security. There's always this search for how can we make good use of our money um, and that is just from my perspective while growing up. Um, so that's just a little bit about Turkish history for me. Uh, just a little fun fact, by the way. Uh, the first coins were minted in modern-day Turkey uh, in the Aegean region. Uh, I think it was Lydians. Is that correct? I don't know. Coinage was invented in modern-day Turkey. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> We are the main We are the yeah, the grandsons of Croesus that doesn't know about money. Because Croesus, there's also like a good Twitter account. Yeah, he's one of the he standardized minting coins basically. When was this? Six hundred uh, after Christ, I think around that. Uh the first coins were minted, I think, around uh, 2,500 years ago. So it was like, I think, 600 BC before Christ, I guess. Could be correct. Uh, yes. It's so, it's so ironic that now coins are being phased out in Turkey and it was the Turkish people that came up with coins first. It's just so ironic. 
Actually, also, uh, you know, like we also had a lot of like debasement of gold coins in this uh, region. So uh, one of the first revolutions in the Ottoman Empire, which was the place before Turkey, was the military, the soldiers, which are called as Yeniçeri, revolting because the yeah the emperor tried to debase the currency. And they're like, well, we fight for this, you know, and we'll get paid less. It doesn't make sense. And they started the revolution. Maybe I would like to add that um, even though um, I understand Mary's conclusion that from observing Turkish people giving away gold and to brides on weddings, uh, I wouldn't say it's really a deep understanding of what they're doing, but more like... Um, this mimicking that Alijan mentioned. It's just a tradition that is that some smart people thankfully came up with uh, long ago and uh, and everyone just keeps doing that because that's the way you do it. Um, and without really a deep understanding that gold is hard money or um, anything of the like. But yeah, I mean, o over time, um, it has proven to be also like beneficial to the um, the fresh mar freshly married to have uh, gold and um, in instead of like paper money that's yeah as we as we already heard like has has a history of chronic inflation in Turkey. So I remember the stories uh, like I remember from my own youth coming to Turkey in vacations that. Um, yeah, my mother would tell me um, the money that I got in Turkish Lira to exchange it to Deutsche Mark, German Marks, or <clears throat> constant, always when going back, because um, you, you couldn't be sure if that um, would be worth anything next year if you came back. And um, one time I, I snuck some, I, I didn't change some because I, said some I don't know some some uncle that I really liked gave it to me and I, I I kept the paper money the Turkish paper money and and like she said like she warned me but um, next year I came that um, paper money was out of circulation and not worth anything anymore I was just want to add something that Kemal said there is a saying in Turkey that if you have money don't keep it in the bank account means Change it into a land if such amount of money. Change it into some other currencies more stable than Turkish lira. Change it into the gold. It's it's just embedded in Turkish people. You just don't keep your money at bank, just as it is. So, um, I'm wondering about the situation today it seems like for the past say two years there's been an uh, acceleration of uh, uh, inflation in turkey just in these these past two years i don't know what it was before that but uh, you see all these graphs from turkey that um, become quite steep um, what what is it uh, that has been say happening uh, say in the in the public uh, opinion what is what is the story what is the narrative for for the inflation um are they actually admitting they're printing a lot of money or is it happening in the dark um 
can I start by telling a personal story uh, about the the official inflation rate and the real infla- inflation rates? Uh, like two years ago, I guess I was looking to buy a car, and I was researching the prices, and then I discovered an anomaly in the price of Volkswagen uh, Polo, uh, a specific model. Uh, and then I called a friend who was working in the uh, auto industry and asked like, like, like uh, the similar cars or like the comparative cars were much higher in prices, but Polo uh, specifically what was much uh, lower in price. And like I described the problem and then this guy uh, actually did some research uh and by the way like the price of polo was low but it was not available so you were not able to actually buy that car like they didn't have any polo in stocks so uh anyway this guy uh returned back to me uh saying that the uh, government included two specific models uh in their uh inflation uh basket and Polo was one of those cars, so they purposefully uh, actually uh, tried to control and lower the price of that car. But at the same time, it's not available. So even though uh, with that suppressed price, you're not able to buy the car. So like this is the story. Like this is how they keep. Like probably it was like thirty percent uh, suppressed. So that's that's the real <laughs> inflation rate. Uh, that's the Official story versus the real story. A very personal, very uh, micro event, but uh, yeah. I want to add something to that as well. Uh, at November 2021, uh, five months ago, uh, I always checked the gas prices in Turkey. It was like 6.3 Turkish liras per liter. Now it's 22.8 Turkish liras in Istanbul. So it's more than triple. How can a triple amount of number can be 38% or 75%? It's it's just nonsense. And those numbers are not real. Real inflation rate, unfortunately, is higher than the declared one. So we are just serving on it. Um, so when I first heard about the skyrocketing of um, inflation rates in in Turkey, it took me back to, I think we were watching news um, because my dad watches Turkish news. And um, I heard them say that the price of bread, so bread is a very, um, it's kind of like a staple in Turkey. So like you, many families eat bread. Um, It's not something you just have for breakfast. We have it for lunch and dinner as well, depending on the meal. Um, and so it was declared that bread was about three uh, Turkish lira. Um, and it took me back because when I was growing up, uh, I think my most recent memory of um, price of bread then was 25 kurush. So the smaller denomination of a lira is um, kurush. So it was 25 kurush then. And when I heard that the price of bread was three Turkish lira, it just made me like, wonder how people in Turkey even survive because I know very vividly that you have one family probably buying four to six loaves of bread um, on a daily basis. 
So just looking at the difference in numbers. So think of it this way. Let me just bring it home so it would be a lot um, easier for people to comprehend. So imagine that the price of bread today is $3, but several years ago, the price of bread was $0.25. Cents. So just by looking at that number, you get to see that inflation is just literally through the roof. Um, there was even a news I heard on um, when I was watching like Turkish news, and they said that now it's like children are running the risk of not being able to drink milk because the price of milk, I think, is like nine Turkish lira. And um, it's just really sad to hear the inflation rates go up. I think one of the major causes of high inflation in Turkey, um, and I stand to be corrected, is the um, economic policies. I think um, the policies that are being set up um, in Turkey are just not working too well. Um, I think in the bid to try and lower the prices, um, wrong economic policies are actually causing an increase in the prices um, since it's still a free uh, market system. So yeah, those are my few thoughts. Please, um, Stackmore, please go ahead. Well, uh, sorry, but the economic policies are working very well from a cantillionaire point of view, you know. Uh, like it, it is there to serve some people, but like, of course, that's damaging the public. The One of the fun facts is that Turkey has around 43% uh, of the employees that work with minimum wage. It's the highest in OECD countries and and currently the minimum wage is under $300. And like bread prices going up is bad, but aside from that, like, you know, even though we have talked about, Eljan uh, mentioned it, that Turkey always had inflation, but I talked to people and before there were times with high inflation and actually in 1972, uh, like the, a year after the Nixon shock, which has nothing to do with the Nixon shock actually, but anyhow, uh, so um, Turkey tried to protect the Northern Cyprus and after that, uh, Turkey was sanctioned. And you know, like you talk to people who grew up over at those years and you know, even then uh, people did not have uh, a hard time with the economy as much as they have now. So I think it's very troubling. This year is a special year and Turkey is like, okay, we have a saying in Turkish, I don't know, uh, if the imam farts, the community shits, or I, I compare it to like, uh, so you think of a whip, uh, if the handle part of the whip moves a little, the tip moves really fast. So there's uh, inflation in the whole world right now, like the current, or for me, it's the past past reserve money dollar is not functioning well, and the prices are also increasing in uh, you know dollar terms. And Turkey is at the tip of the whip, so we get like a lot of leverage in a way in inflation. So officially, the inflation is thought to be around like seventy. The last time it was announced, sixty nine point seventy two percent or something. You know. <laughs> but funny thing is that uh, there's this group of economists and they also keep track of, uh, they have their own inflation basket and they calculate it. 
and they found it to be over 161% year over year. And after their last announcement uh, <laughs> that uh, the government tried to pass this law so that no independent uh, group could calculate the inflation prices independently, you know, which is like, okay, you cannot calculate the difference of prices in your bread, gas, and it's for, it's like banning mathematics, you know, it's, it's like as ridiculous as trying to ban Bitcoin, basically. So with this situation, are, how are people managing this? Um, obviously we, we uh, will come to Bitcoin in, in just a moment and maybe there's some answer there, but is, what is the wide approach to, to this crazy inflation? Are, is everybody negotiating higher salaries? Is everybody uh, uh, stacking gold, uh, buying houses, buying stocks? What's hap- what, what is everybody doing? Uh, I would say they are speculatively attacking the banks uh, because the uh, interest rates are artificially uh, very low in Turkey. So everybody is actually uh, getting lots and lots of loans from the banks. And that's one way of surviving, actually. And that's actually another reason why all the prices are going up as well. Interesting. What, ca- what, what interest rate do you get for, say, a mortgage? Uh, that's a nice question. Uh, I would say they actually enacted a recent law, uh, and with that, it's I think around maybe like ten percent. Uh, meanwhile, the official inflation rate is around seventy percent, so that's like sixty percent uh, uh, negative real interest rate <laughs> if you buy a mortgage. So that's why everybody is actually attacking. Uh, and exploiting uh, the banks right now. And that's one of the reasons all the house prices are uh, dramatically going up. Yeah. Well, can I add to that? Like, so you can get that uh, mortgage up to 2 million liras, which is like $120,000, I think. Uh, but even uh, that, that much money, uh, you need to pay approximately $2,000 a month as credit and so many people cannot afford it at the moment so a lot of the sales is happening between constructors so i'm a constructor i get the credit and i buy this constructor's house and then he does the same with my house so it's like yeah (laughs) so they they basically get free credit in a way and these subsidies mean that we are generating more and more future debt and it's also an another way of printing money by giving credit. Interesting. So it could be actually part of the uh, accelerating inflation could be caused by so much uh, people taking credit via the banks because banks create money out of nothing when they give credit. So you have, yeah, interesting. Um, just the... Quick question about the size of Turkey. How many people live in Turkey? It's like 85 million people and approximately 7% uh, refugees that came to Turkey in the last like five, six years. From Syria or from? From Syria and from Afghanistan and 
some from Pakistan. And yeah. Okay, that's a pretty massive uh, refugee wave. 7%, you said? 7% around that, yeah. Like around 6 million ish. Wow. Okay, so Turkey is um, having um, a lot of uh, work with incorporating uh, those refugees, I guess. Okay, let's move to Bitcoin. As we're talking about the situation today, I suggest we dive straight into uh, Bitcoin today in Turkey. Who wants to start? Tell us what's happening in Bitcoin in Turkey. Obviously, uh, we have uh, the community that Flacco told us about. Um, can you repeat the name again? It's Yemebi. Yes. Okay. And uh, yeah, I guess there's not many Bitcoin maxis. Mary said she'd been looking for Bitcoin maxis. El Flaco, you said that um, it was uh, yeah fairly um, fairly few when you came. And um, um, w- what is happening now um, in in Bitcoin and in Turkey is are there any companies being started um, yeah anything you want to share yeah I can I can start and uh, I hope uh, the others will add to that then so Turkey has uh, a couple of Bitcoin exchanges um, most notably probably BTC Turk which uh, I think started in 2011 or 2013 I'm not 100% sure but pretty early on, it was one of the, it was probably the third Bitcoin exchange in the world. Um, so that was cool. Um, and kind of people can, obviously with KYC, buy and sell Bitcoin pretty conveniently. Um, it's also like the banking system is very uh, sophisticated and developed, even more so than in Germany, I would say. So everyone has credit cards, everyone has a bank account. You can almost everywhere pay with credit card. And even like you don't have to pay um, uh, immediately, but there's something called like taxit or which is probably some translate like pay later. So you can divide up a payment and uh, pay it in, um, in rates um, over like um, every month a bit, um, which is obviously like a, necessity because most people don't have saving savings and um, but they need stuff now and which basically is more than they have and uh, so yeah that's kind of an innovation here um, in terms of finance um, I think also what should be added is like the church population is pretty young and very technologically affine so a lot of interests about technology, about trends, general interest, and um, mobile phones, um, excellent coverage. Um, everyone has one at least. <laughs> and um, uh, internet is good, good coverage as well. Um, yeah, so um, I think what's, I wouldn't say there were no Bitcoin maximalists in Turkey. Uh, obviously, there are everywhere. Um, they just don't are not that visible because they don't have like this um, 
place where they where, where they have that forum and where they basically congregate. So um, creating that um, helped basically find the other bitcoiners and and um, so so that's that was very necessary in my opinion because um, there are a lot of uh, accounts on Twitter and also on YouTube um, that are yeah promoting trading and um, shitcoin investments and uh, basically throwing Bitcoin all into that basket um, together. So there's no differentiation. Uh, oftentimes there are lies um, spread that Bitcoin is old technology and slow and can't scale. So just the usual Bitcoin affinity scams, uh, like we like Bitcoin, but hey, have you seen this shitcoin that is like, I don't know, scales infinitely better and is the future and you should get an early so there's a lot of that going on um, with very big accounts, uh, half a million followers, probably two dozen that I've already identified that are really even through this uh, yeah, shitcoin bear market um, where, where a lot of uh, retail investors are getting wrecked are still like hoping, uh, pumping hopes that even Luna may, may come back and stuff like that. So it's, it's very, um, yeah. Um, very very diluted signal, I would say. Um, a lot of things are being called Bitcoin when they in fact are just yeah shitcoinery, and um, so the word crypto doesn't really exist. I would say it's all just called Bitcoin, and um, and um, yeah, a lot of education is needed, I guess. Um, so when people call like like ask me like, oh, you're playing Bitcoin. It's called like Bitcoin Oinamak. So playing Bitcoin, what does it even mean? But what they mean is like, yeah, just gambling Bitcoin because uh, or or all of the other cryptocurrencies. So I see like regular people while they're waiting uh, on at the bus station or cab drivers while they're waiting for passengers uh, or just in between sets at the gym, people have their Binance accounts open and uh, checking cryptocurrency prices and taking positions and so it's like uh, like this mm, disease of gambling that's everywhere people yeah just gamble for the kicks of it and, and think they're doing investing um, which is very unfortunate obviously um, yeah so so that's my perception but I've been only here for one and a half years, so please feel free to add. I think that was a great summary. Uh, just as you said, uh, there's a huge culture of trading and lots of influencers are incentivizing people to trade uh, these scam coins and uh, whatever. And yeah, like these, like just as Stackmore mentioned, Turkey has a huge uh, young population and these uh, people mostly have this fear of the future like they're they don't feel stable uh, they think they're missing out the future and these crypto exchanges and their paid uh, influencers they're arbitraging the this fear by basically uh, inserting the idea that like if you buy this these coins uh, these are the next big thing and they will actually make you immune to any uh, future uh, instability. So uh, that's one of the main 
uh, drivers of shitcoinery uh, in Turkey. And people are not very technologically uh, sophisticated to do their due diligence. And unfortunately, uh, Turkey has this culturally uh, aspect of actually uh, delegating uh, the decision-making uh, to just as Stackmore mentioned again, uh, what you said, like you said, when Imam farts, uh, the community shits or something like that. So <laughs> basically people outsource their decision-making to these influencers. Uh, they don't do any due diligence. Uh, but I think that can change uh, by time and by this information uh, spreading uh, around the country. Eventually, like, it will change. Yeah. So, okay, Ali John mentioned fear of future. And, you know, I'm not, like, a very sentimental person, but... I remember the last time I shed a tear was like, I, I don't remember the year, it was four or five years ago. But when we were in the fifth grade, uh, we did this project with my, you know, elementary school, which Elijan was also at. Uh, so we wrote notes to our future selves. So we could open them up 20 years later and read what we wrote, you know. Our school lost our, and they called it the time capsule. So. We wrote some notes and they buried it under the ground and then they lost where it was. So, you know, I don't know what I wrote, but they are still looking for it as far as I know. By the way, that's what you should do with Bitcoin. You should just, yeah, bury it somewhere and not touch it for 20 years, but hopefully find it, you know, not like the school. Anyhow, so uh, at our 20th year, uh, in which we were supposed to read what we wrote. Uh, you know, we were invited to the school and, uh, the, you know, uh, a you know, classmate of ours read some of the notes that the fifth graders of that time wrote. And it was so sad because they had so much anxiety about the future and they, you know, the future was so obscure for them, you know. And I felt so bad because I don't think when I was in the fifth grade, the future looked that bleak, you know. And I, that day I was also thinking that the humanity is going backwards. And yeah, it was, was, was a sad day, basically. Has nothing to do with Bitcoin, kind of, but everything has something to do with Bitcoin, you know. Right now, I think I, I'm so comfortable about my future because... You know, I'm in the hardest asset. And apart from that, uh, uh, the people who are also in Bitcoin are really close to my mindset. I get along with them. We understand each other. We just want to work, do our work today, you know, and uh, prepare for the tomorrow. And uh, if the, if, you know, like if I, I don't know, like I have so much conviction right now and part of it is the community. And thanks Kemal for yeah, pushing us, uh, or Priti Filako for pushing us to start a more organized community in Turkey because we initially met over Twitter and then, yeah, it's like, well, we do good meetups in Germany. There's Einem Zwanzig and yeah, Gigi also supported us. So he started this project called 21 World, where he gives some guidelines or where there are some guidelines on how to start, uh, yeah, communities all over the world. So 
hopefully, uh, you know, if you didn't meet other Bitcoiners in the meat space, you should just go out there and, yeah, meet them and become even more hopeful about the future. So um, I left Turkey several years ago, but um, I think since we're in the topic of, you know, Turkey and Bitcoin, I let me share. I just thought I, could, I should share my perspective of Turkey and Bitcoin from someone who is outside Turkey looking in. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, I ever since I got very serious about Bitcoin, the next thing that came to my mind was uh, how about in Turkey? Are they Bitcoiners in Turkey that I can you know, relate with and get to hear their stories and know how they buy and sell Bitcoin? Um, and that just got me more into looking for a Bitcoin, a Turkish Bitcoin community. Um, during that period, I and my family, we, we started watching more and more Turkish soaps. Um, my dad is a tech, he's a tech um, nerd. He loves technology. So he always likes getting the latest satellites and in order to stream um, channels from different countries and to being, you know, he was in Turkey for several years. He did his doctorate in applied economics in Turkey. Um, so being part of a country where he spent a good amount of his time there, he is endeared to like Turkish shows and, you know, Turkish news. Even this, this afternoon, he was watching uh, football and it was like a Turkish match. Anyway, so as we were watching more of these Turkish shows, um, I saw a couple of ads um, and I saw Paribu, I saw um, uh, Bitekmex, I think Bitekmex, Bitekmex, um, and even they, they would talk about, oh, buy Bitcoin um, using these applications. Oh, you have access to Bitcoin. Um, and from that point of view, I was like, wow, okay, people in Turkey, are, they, have, they know about Bitcoin. Um, but when El Falco said that Bitcoin is more like a generic term and now made more sense to me why, um, why it was very difficult for me to find like a, a, a community of Turkish maxis. So these advertisements of uh, these exchanges actually motivated me to keep looking because I knew that there has to be a Turkish Bitcoin community out there. These ads are telling me that there, there are people who buy and sell Bitcoin. Um, and so I kept searching. I searched all over Twitter. Uh, I, then I, something came to my mind. I was like, okay, let me check um, podcasts and see, because I'm a podcaster. And um, I was like, okay, let's, let me look for, um, let me start my search or let me try searching um, for Turkish podcasts that talk about Bitcoin. And the first couple of podcasts that I went through were just basically um, shitcoiners just mentioning Bitcoin here and there. Um, but all they ever talk about is just different kinds of coins until I came across Yimi Bir. And that just made me the happiest person on this earth. I started binging on um, their episodes and I was, I was convinced that, wow, this is real. This is a true like Bitcoin maxi podcast. And um, that now led me to look for the people behind um, the podcast. 
I searched everywhere. That took me to Telegram. I started looking at different places and I finally found this Turkish Bitcoin community. So the reason why I'm sharing this is that it's all coming together now and I'm starting to now understand um, the standpoint because while I was doing my search, I was seeing more people, more Turkish people talk about shit coins, not knowing that the word Bitcoin was being used as a generic term. Um, and so it's exciting that this Twitter space is hold, holding because now we see that there are actually Turkish Bitcoin maxis in existence and um, it's very inspiring. Um, I, I hope I can ask a question if you don't mind. I'm just curious what is the buying experience um, when it comes to Bitcoin. So where I live in Nigeria, um, we are like banks were prohibited from directly facilitating crypto related transactions. So we had to switch and start buying um, Bitcoin using P2P. I'm just curious how the buying experience is like in Turkey. Are you buying directly from banks or um, do you use banking system or is are there regulations that are against um, buying Bitcoin in Turkey? Uh, so it, buying Bitcoin is so simple in Turkey. It's both a blessing and a curse, you know, because since it's so easy to buy from an exchange, nobody uses P2P. Uh, yeah, so that's the curse part. Uh, but like even my banking app, I can go to make a payment uh, tab. And under that tab, there's like pay your electricity bill, do this, do that, and buy cryptocurrencies. There's like a special uh, yeah, a tab that's dedicated to buying cryptocurrencies. So it uh, has deals with two exchanges at the moment. So you can choose which exchange to send your money. As, as simple as that, you know? But also, like, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe a ban would be good. So it would teach people to trade, you know, P2P and all that stuff. But I don't know, <laughs> which wasn't hard. But I, and also, like, uh, so the thing uh, you said, like, uh, I talked to so many people, like, from all age groups, from all socioeconomic backgrounds about Bitcoin, live on the street as well. I, I, I can't stop talking about Bitcoin, you know. And sometimes I get so disappointed because I'm like, uh, we talk about Bitcoin and they're like, which Bitcoin do you buy? Bitcoin is like a word for cryptocurrency for some people, you know. And it's not like a question like uh, which Bitcoin is not. They are not asking for the question. Is it Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin Satoshi? It's everything is Bitcoin for them because that's, yeah, that's the sad part. The differentiation is not there. How do you handle that situation when, when they say, uh, when they say that? Or when when you had these conversations, like, yeah, how do you how do you explain? That? I handle it pretty good actually because uh, you know uh, right now uh, this exchange is helping me make videos about uh, Bitcoin books, and I only do Bitcoin. Not I mean everything is a Bitcoin book again, like Atlas Shrugged or Economics in One Lesson and blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, so 
and I helped trans I translated Vijay Boyapati's bullish case for Bitcoin, and I didn't want to be paid in lira for that. So I asked the publisher to send me books, and they also published uh, the Fiat stand. I don't know, not the Fiat, the Bitcoin standard, the Little Bitcoin book, twenty-one lessons, you know, and now the Little Bitcoin book. So I have a bunch of armory. <laughs> so I just go and give it to them, and if they want to understand, they did. Yeah, if they don't care. They can lose money in shitcoins. I don't care, you know, because Bitcoin takes time. Nothing, nothing in life is free. So, and yeah, time is money. Yeah, I think it's uh, also worth noting that uh, Turkish people, like by their self description, are very not not the biggest readers. So. Um, yeah, um, I mean, but having these books out for those that actually want to read and having this information out for those that actually want to put in the work to educate themselves is really important. And um, yeah, as the community, we're looking to ways also to get onto media that's uh, a little bit more easy to consume, like podcasts. And so we started with podcasts and um, I hope maybe even for the second season of uh, yeah, maybe we, we can uh, reach out uh, to viewers on YouTube because uh, YouTube is pretty big and uh, watching videos is, seems to be like the way people inform themselves about Bitcoin. So, um, but for the time being, we're just, yeah, uh, setting a beacon basically. So those that are Bitcoiners already can find us. So we get more and uh, bigger and uh, because uh, if we try to do everything on our own with the small core team that we have, uh, that would be like a Sisyphus task. Um, but yeah, as we grow, hopefully like um, more outreaching uh, material that will hopefully educate also like broader parts of the population um, will also emerge and, uh, and be made. But for the time being, like really going after the maxis so they can find us. Yeah, I want to add something to what Kamal said. Uh, become a Bitcoiner is not something someone you make, uh, someone makes you. I mean, nobody make me a Bitcoiner. I just changed my point of view and they told me I am a Bitcoiner. So in Turkey, like Kemal said, uh, people not fond of reading books. Therefore, people, uh, I don't think that they will uh, teach themselves. When they teach themselves, they become Bitcoiners naturally. So that's why I think there is not much Bitcoiner in Turkey. Or if there is, we don't know yet. That's the problem in Turkey. And like uh, Kemal said, Shukru said, Alijan said, Bitcoin is kind of a gambling material. Because all of the cryptocurrency space, all of all of the coins are considered a Bitcoin. They all made out by bits. I don't know. Therefore, uh, people tend to think about fiat money, fiat gains. They just uh, buy some Bitcoin or shitcoin. They just sell it when the value goes high, and they make profit. That's it. That's all about uh, this process in uh, people's minds. So. 
maybe that's why there is no Bitcoiner. Uh, there's not much Bitcoiner in Turkey. Uh, I would add to that, like there's a very strange uh, phenomenon in Turkey as well. Uh, like I'm not a religious person, uh, but Turkey uh, has uh, a modern financial system as well as an Islamic financial system as well. And SK, uh, from our audience, I think he's not here anymore, but uh, he's much more uh, educated in this topic. And the thing is, uh, in Islamic finance, uh, interest is actually forbidden. Uh, and any kind of proof of stake uh, monetary system is forbidden as well. And in their uh, religious textbooks, they actually preferred uh, silver and gold, like as commodity monies. And in that regard, uh, Bitcoin has a very huge cultural position as well. But it's not very well known uh, in a lot of people, uh, as well as like this whole uh, cultural tendency of actually hoarding, like getting rid of the Turkish lira, uh, hoarding gold, hoarding relatively harder assets like gold and real estate. Like we have this cultural uh, motivation. We just need to connect Bitcoin uh, with that uh, deeply embedded cultural thing. If we can manage that, I think Turkey has a huge, huge potential in terms of uh, real uh, Bitcoin growth. But uh, yeah, time will tell. Yeah, I have. I wonder about the religious aspect. Um, so Turkey is a secular um, Islamic nation. So it's um, it's quite different from from say the more where 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 the um, the religious leaders have uh, substantial influence on people's decisions. Um, in Indonesia, uh, when we did the Indonesia uh, Twitter space about the Bitcoin in Indonesia, um, they said that uh, actually the central bank had teamed up with the largest Indonesian uh, Muslim organization to target um Bitcoin and I guess cryptocurrencies more general, but and and title it as Haram. And so there's a pretty high level game going on uh, already in some other Muslim nations where the um, religious infrastructure is being leveraged uh, by the central bankers. Uh, has that happened in Turkey yet, or no? Okay, so. I'm not a very religious, very, very religious person or anything like that, but uh, I'm following the uh, the Muslim world and Bitcoin interaction recently. And there are some really good speakers about it. There's Muslim Bitcoiner Irfan Harris, also Seyfedin had a nice podcast with him. So, by the way, the more I, you know, study the uh, reasons why interest or they call it riba uh, is haram, the more sense it makes, you know, because it's not fair. The distribution is not fair and you are not doing any work, but like, you know, basing your income over others' hard work and all that stuff. So you just watch people run on, yeah, hamster wheels and then you profit from it. So it, it makes more and more sense. And in Turkey, there has not been like a, it's called fetva, uh, that says it's 
haram or halal or nothing, but uh, some uh, some mediums that I've seen, uh, they claim that it's kind of like a gambling and that's why it's not like a halal uh, currency, which to me doesn't make sense at all because Bitcoin is the most stable thing in the world. You know what the protocol wants to do. You know that it wants to generate and it will try to uh, make it incentivizes the whole world so that it generates a block in every 10 minutes. So it's the most stable thing in the world. And this, yeah, the supply is there and it's not going to change. So versus there are other things or every, nearly everything else in the world is uh, bound to change. So, and that causes speculation and yeah, like the dollar, for example, 12 people decides on the future of the dollar, you know, and uh, but the religious um, countries or whatever, they are, they accept fiat because they say, well, the world operates with fiat, so we need to accept fiat even if it's like an interest rated system. And I'll pass the word on to Eiffel. Yeah, I think like the, 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 they're not wrong, in my opinion, because the, that what they call Bitcoin, which is like the whole of the space, and without differentiating Bitcoin and shitcoin, um, they're like 99.9% .9 right, right? When they say Bitcoin is gambling, because they think like everything is Bitcoin. So yeah, I think like really what Alijan is doing um, with the site that really explains the difference between Bitcoin and shitcoin, that is really important. And uh, it's a message that needs to be brought across because once these people and also like there are religious YouTubers um, that are talking about these topics, um, once if they understood like what Bitcoin actually is, they would realize it's the most halal pro um, money and, uh, and that would probably also help um, with the adoption. Um, I mean, we've, maybe one thing I would also like to add, like um, Bitcoin is not just like um, just a store of value, but it's also a medium of exchange that can that that Turkish people can benefit from like way more than others. So Turkey has been experiencing like big big brain drain where young, well-educated people after university are looking to emigrate um, to to the West, like be it the European Union, Switzerland, or the United States and Canada. Um, because like uh, on the domestic market, they will be paid in lira and it's, it's not going to be an easy life. So it's very difficult to come by if you earn your money on the, on the local market. But with Bitcoin, you can actually like export your services from where you are and get paid from, uh, from a global market and sell to a global market. So, um, and actually like there were some attempts um, last year around this time, a little earlier uh, in 2021, when when sudden when, when there was an inflationary period again that was pretty strong, um, some business owners um, advertised um, themselves as accepting Bitcoin, like even like street vendors um, advertised that they would accept Bitcoin and payments in Bitcoin, um, and also like big uh, corporate. Uh, companies like furniture houses and, and whatever started to advertise uh, that they accept Bitcoin. Um, and then like uh, one year and one month ago, like at the end of April 2021, the central bank 
passed a law um, that forbids the use of any cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin, um, in exchange for services and goods. So basically the medium of exchange use case was banned um, by a directive of the central bank. Now we've been arguing in the community whether this is actually like uh, really a ban that people need to adhere to. I think Jumho has a very nuanced opinion on this. He, um, he thinks that basically like um, it, people wouldn't, shouldn't bother about it. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's not binding or there is no punishment for if you don't obey and uh, just uh, transact in Bitcoin. But, uh, but you can tell from just this attempt, like how desperate the government and the central bank were because it was a very brief law, just a couple of sentences, ba basically banning the medium of exchange use case. And uh, until further regulation has been worked out, and that hasn't happened until until yet. But um, I, I, my theory is that if they hadn't done that, um, Turkey would have seen like um, pretty big adoption with the young, technologically affine population, and with the crumbling era. Um, yeah. So, so that's I think like that scared some people off that would have otherwise started to look into it. Um, but yeah, um, definitely something to keep an eye on. So a note on that, uh, actually, so, so I've spent my past two years in Vietnam and there's a similar, um, law in effect there where you're not able to transact in any other currency than the Vietnam Dong. There's a company called Neutron Pay, I think, um, run by a Bitcoin maxi called Albert. And he, and the way he has managed to go around it legally in Vietnam is that they use Bitcoin as payment rails and then it converts to uh, the local currency before the receiver um, or the transaction receives the yeah the payment. Uh, so in effect, then legally the payment is done in VND. Um, that could be a actually a way to to solve that for turkey um just an idea and uh, i could also connect you to to neutron pay and albert if you're interested he's a great guy um i have a, a question about the um so you all uh, hopefully have a, a couple of older uh, relatives uh, around and um, have you had conversations with them um, about Bitcoin? They have uh, probably more deeper uh, experiences with the inf historic inflation in Turkey um, than you have, because uh, I guess that none of us are are that old, yeah, 30s or 40s, something like that. Um, what are your parents saying when you talk to them about Bitcoin? Do they get it instantly or... Um, yeah. Yeah, mine are pretty orange built, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, even my grandmother is a yeah stacker, and when she when we were talking about it, and there's no tax for Bitcoin in Turkey, and, you know, she's like, okay, my inheritance won't be taxed, and she was actually happy about it. So, yeah. Uh. 
we always had high inflation, but this one hits different because we are much more dependent. Uh, Turkey is not a uh, self-sovereign country anymore. It depends on a lot of imports. So, yeah, we are dependent on uh, the foreign currencies. And the Turkish Central Bank uh, is claimed to have negative 41 billion dollars in foreign currencies. And how that happens is that the number looks positive on the balance sheet, but we have a lot of swaps, uh, swap deals with other countries. Uh, for example, Qatar. And we have like a 20 billion dollar swap deal with Qatar. Uh, so it's a swap deal of Turkish lira and Qatar lira. And Qatar real is as illiquid as the Turkish lira. You can only spend it in Qatar and nobody else cares for it. So, yeah, it's just basically a proxy reserve, like not, not a real one. You know, it's like. Ali Jan. Uh, no, I was just going to add that uh, most older people are more inclined towards. Uh, real estate like they're like especially in this inflationary uh, environment uh still like there's not this huge bitcoin culture so people do not see bitcoin uh as a solution to the inflation problem uh they still see other assets uh as solutions so yeah older generations they're more uh like they they get their news from uh, mainstream media uh, so yeah it's a bit uh, unfortunately uh, older generations uh, I would say are not that much ready uh, but I think our relatives uh, are lucky <laughs> so yeah Mary what's up so while I was listening to everyone um, this question popped into my mind um, when you know you you all said that Bitcoin is usually like people just basically gamble um, Bitcoin and like other cryptocurrencies. Um, I wanted to know if you have any stories or experiences where people where maybe someone just quit gambling cryptocurrencies and just um, kept gambling cryptocurrencies cold turkey and just went just stacking like. How is how is that transition like for for people there? You know, you how they moved from gambling different cryptocurrencies to just being a regular um, like stacking regularly and hodling. So, I think like none of my close friends gamble like that except. Okay, I have a friend who is who was already like a sports gambler and this and that. He still buys stupid random stuff. Uh, but my except him, none of my close friends buy any other coins. Like yeah, they all stack sets and work stack sets and yeah, save their time. They don't waste time on looking at charts or trading and and it makes me happy because these are my yeah good in real life friends so we even have like a more common thing something else common uh, to talk about so we can just talk about bitcoin a little and this and that so it's good uh by the way i was going to add something huh so 
Turkey and shitcoin relation. It's because the money is so broken here. Even when people do business, uh, they look for short-term profit. They don't plan ahead because they, it's harder to plan ahead when the inflation is 70%, you know? So the money, uh, so the government breaks the money and the money breaks the people and it, yeah, uh, gives them bad habits and that's that's the problem. The short time preference uh, or high time preference should be beaten up. So fix the money, fix the world. We can start from some of it from Turkey, hopefully. Uh, Mary, to answer your question, uh, for me, like I wouldn't consider myself as a gambler, uh, but the thing that clicked in my mind and like in some other people's uh, minds, as far as I can see, was actually uh, like Turkey is one of those countries that's on the edge of the fiat experiment. Uh, people can basically see the end game of fiat by looking at us. So like we are experimenting real time with uh, what happens uh, if you control, uh, if the control of money, if you give the control of money to a uh, select few. Uh, so for me, like while learning about Bitcoin and money and why actually uh, like not giving any uh, benevolent dictator uh, the keys uh, to your to your wealth and to the purchasing power of all the people around you. Uh, yeah, like and meanwhile, you are living in Turkey and you are actually. Uh, experimenting uh, with actually giving all the power and all the control uh, to a total, totalitarian dictator in your own country and you're seeing the results uh, simultaneously so like that I think speeds up your learning process and lots of people are actually like in Turkey if, if, if you develop that awareness it's much easier for you to uh, become a Bitcoiner uh, compared to most Europeans and most other developed nations, I would uh, guess, uh, because uh, like other people, especially living in uh, better situations, like they can hypothetically think about these edge cases or like the future of their fiat experiments. But in Turkey, we are actually having that experience uh, as of today. So I think that's uh, one of the like. Uh, things that accelerates the learning process. Um, I'm curious about the platforms you guys use um, in Turkey. So I've heard of Paribu, I've heard of Bitexan. Are there others out there that people can buy Bitcoin for? I'm, and I'm Bitcoin from, and I'm asking this um, just in case we have some like newbies in, in the space here who are living in Turkey who are interested in just going all Bitcoin. Yeah, maybe I I think like the best way to buy Bitcoin is peer-to-peer. -peer. Um, it's probably a little bit more hassle, um, but uh, it's worth having no KYC and uh, not having basically, yeah, um, the government and the whole world know that uh, eventually that you that you hold Bitcoin. But if you, if you don't mind that, um, there are excellent ways to buy. Um, I, I think like, from Turkish exchanges, I would recommend PTC Turk because on the retail facing side, um, they only have Bitcoin and you have to actively um, upgrade your account to the pro account in, in order to 
be um, able to yeah, play around with all of these shitcoins. So they're not shitcoin free, unfortunately. But uh, I, yeah, probably like that's just there's just too much demand that they can pass on it, I guess. Um, but at least on the retail facing side, when you go to Turk.com, there is only Bitcoin and it's a very seamless experience, uh, obviously with KYC. So um, that works well. Um, and yeah, I haven't tried out the other ones. Um, and yeah, maybe the others can chip in. And Flacco, if you would want to buy OTC, how would you do it? Would you join your Telegram group or how does it work? So I think like one thing that should be mentioned is around in Istanbul, around the Grand Bazaar, there are a couple of OTC um, desks um, and uh, you can just go there physically um, with uh, your cash uh, in dollars and pay a 1.5% to 2.5% commission fee and uh, buy Bitcoin um, from them directly. So it's uh, I did it a couple of times. So I just go there, have the cash. You say how much you want. Um, you give them the money. They count it, um, and then um, the Bitcoin is transferred to an address that you give them. And uh, yeah, basically you're waiting for one confirmation, and, and during that time you're served nice uh, Turkish tea, and uh, basically you're waiting with the desk together for one confirmation to hit and. Um, and that's KYC free. So if you're in Istanbul and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I guess Cointral, like like Central, but with Cointral, um, is uh, a place that I uh, had uh, some good experiences with. Um, yeah, so that, that's something I can recommend. So do these vendors know anything more deeply about Bitcoin, or they're just trading it? No, they're just traders. They're there to make a business. They're living from the fees. They don't really care what they sell. Um, it's uh, like, and most of the volume they do is tether um, because, yeah, um, there's a huge demand um, for yeah digital dollars here. So, so that's uh, mo most people that are coming there are interested in buying tether. I think you know. The first Bitcoin ATM in the world was in Istanbul Atatürk Airport, like back in 2013 or 12 or something like that, like long time ago. That was, that's a fun fact. Now we don't have that many ATMs around or we never had that many ATMs around. Uh, and also on top of that, like, you know, HODL HODL, uh, BISC, and there are other like RoboSats, for example, other peer-to-peer -to -peer exchanges. Unfortunately, there is no Turkish lira liquidity there or Turkish banking system liquidity there. So I hope to see it increase more. I remember like I translated the HODL HODL website into Turkish and added this payment method and placed a buy request and found someone and that day I was the happiest person ever because like there was nothing else there and yeah the coins arrived and they were nice and coin joined and it was perfect. I think like in access to Bitcoin is not really a problem. I think really the differentiation of Bitcoin and shitcoin is one big challenge. And the second one is like last year in 2021 there were two exchanges 
One of them was Todex and the other was, I, I even forgot the name, but they exit scammed. And it was, uh, it turned out to be the biggest scam in the history of the Turkish Republic um, with 400,000 people um, losing their coins, mostly shitcoin, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like it, it, not leaving your uh, coins on an exchange, whatever it, coin it is, is probably the second biggest uh, challenge uh, because, but yeah, there, there's been a big lesson in Turkey about that with, uh, with the exit scam that happened. Uh, on a little side note, uh, the exchange, as Fleco mentioned, uh, BTC Turk, uh, the owner of that exchange is a hardcore Bitcoin maxi, and he still uh, currently is a uh, Bitcoin maxi, and he was, I think, way too toxic, so he had to sidestep, and now there's another uh, CEO uh, of that company. Uh, but like the, the owner, uh, Kerem Tibuk is probably, uh, running the business, uh, in the background. Uh, unfortunately they allow trading of, uh, many other shit coins and the owner of that crypto, like BTC Turk, uh, Kerem Tibuk, uh, is at the same time, uh, attacking, uh, those shit coins and telling that people buying those shit coins, uh, on his platform are, uh, stupid people. Uh, but yeah, uh, he's doing all this, uh, toxicity in the background and he's a, he's a real hardcore maxi and yeah, like, uh, he was very into sound money and that's, I think one of the reasons he first founded, uh, BTC Turk, uh, as the third, uh, Bitcoin exchange in the world. Yeah. Hey, um, shall we invite uh, the audience to ask questions? If there's anyone in the audience that wants to ask a question. Yes, Grillas. Boom, boom, let's go. Please request the mic if you want to hop up to ask a question. While um, you're inviting people up on the stage, let me use the opportunity to show our uh, meetup, uh, uh, physical meetup in Istanbul. It's coming up this Wednesday. So if you're in Istanbul or have friends in Istanbul that want to learn about Tipcoin, send them our way. We're meeting on Wednesday, um, May 25th, at Taps Bebek, uh, it's a Yirmibir meetup. Uh, you can find uh, more information on Yirmibir Bitcoin on Twitter. Um, and yeah, uh, we're gonna have, uh, we usually just meet and uh, have a couple of drinks and uh, there's also like one or two presentations about Bitcoin. Uh, last month we had a really nice presentation about the difficulty adjustment by uh, Atajan and uh, also one about Bitcoin script. And uh, this time the presentation title is Why Bitcoin is the Worst Money. Uh, so it's a little clickbaity title, but it's a proper Bitcoiner from Seattle who is visiting Istanbul right now, who's gonna hold it. So uh, that presentation is gonna be in English uh, this time, but usually uh, most of the presentations are in Turkish. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, we seem, seems like the audience is happy listening. We're doing a good job asking questions here, it seems. So, um, I, yeah, I had this question about, um, about you guys. Um, do you, do you meet in person often in this meetup or some of you are, you know, further away, um, uh, how large is the Telegram group? 
So currently we have around, we have 94 people in our Telegram group. It's uh, a live and uh, yeah, healthy discussion, Bitcoin only um, from all over Turkey. And also probably a lot of Turks living in diaspora joining because yeah, they want to see what Bitcoin in Turkey is like. Um, I would say many of them are English speaking as well. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're interested or visiting Turkey, just join on Telegram. It's Yirmi Bir Bitcoin again. And um, yeah, with the physical meetups, I think uh, Istanbul is uh, probably the hotbed currently of physical meetings, uh, closely followed by Izmir, um, who have a who have a little unregular um, meetup going on. But uh, I think Istanbul has established like a good rhythm right now with uh, monthly monthly meetings and presentations um and also like every two weeks um we also meet um and have just a couple of years without too much preparation because preparing a presentation is also kind of a lot of work uh, trying to keep the quality high okay thank you we do have a fellow bitcoiner named alexandria uh, that hopped up we also have ghost of Ragnar Danneskjöld. Uh, but let's start with Alexandria uh, from uh, Zimbabwe. Uh, also uh, quite deep experience with uh, inflation. Uh, also one of the Global Bitcoin Fest co-organizers. Now also Jaime jumped up from Global Bitcoin Fest. Alexandria. Hey guys, um, awesome space and happy Bitcoin Peace today. Um, I think I uh, heard you guys talk about gold and having this kind of strong relationship with gold um, due to hyperinflation. I believe that even in my country, I, I've noticed the same. Whenever you see these countries that suffer from hyperinflation or or these problematic banking systems, um, people always like want to go. So um, my question is, is it easy for you, to, you guys to get onto gold? Because I think one of the hurdles that's, it was um, one of the reasons why I ran straight to Bitcoin was because I could easily get Bitcoin. It's more accessible to things, and, um, and that's why, like, I kind of refrain from gold to to things. So I just wanted to ask: um, Is how how strong is the relationship between gold and and um, in your country? And also, like, did any of you guys pay uh, for your wives in gold, or are you guys not paying for your wives and also your your buys, or do you guys pay no bola in uh, in Bitcoin, <laughs> basically? I think we are buying Bitcoin is very, very easy in Turkey. Um, there is a lot of gold sellers uh, all over the place. So it's very easy. I didn't get the second question. What was it? Yeah, let me give some context because um, I know this one quite well. Um, the, uh, there's a tradition in uh, the southern parts of Africa, in South Africa, also in Zimbabwe, um, where um, you have to pay a price to the bride's family uh, when you're getting married. It's called lobola, and wow. um, it's often paid in uh, solid assets uh, like gold. Actually, the way I met Alexandria first was uh, he was um, he was going to propose to his uh, his girlfriend, and uh, uh, he was discussing with her because he wanted to pay the family Bitcoin. <laughs> But they thought that was not a good idea. They wanted to have uh, um, a cow or a cow instead, I think. 
it was really interesting uh, to hear um, his explanations on that. So, so his question was, yeah. if, if I if know, the, I, I understood the question. <laughs> and, and, uh, are you still single? In English, are... it's called dowry. Dowry. Yes, dowry. Yeah. So, uh, east part of Turkey had it had a lot of dowry payments back in the days. It's getting less and less now. Uh, yeah, but I don't know it's getting less and less. Probably still there's some on the eastern part. And uh, on a side note, uh, when I go on to the Google searches, the east part of Turkey is the most, uh, uh, the place that searches for Bitcoin the most. So th they probably accept dowry in Bitcoin, I guess. I don't know. I don't know from any one-to-one -one, uh, experience. <laughs> I prefer not to pay let's, for my let's Yeah. Um, so the uh, ghost of uh, Ragnar Danischöld, I guess if you have a ghost off, you have uh, done the work on Twitter uh, being toxic enough to get uh, cancelled. Uh, hey, uh, welcome. Please um, introduce yourself and your question. Um, hi, guys. Um, it's great to be here. And um, I've been listening in. Great topic and great discussions. It's um, amazing to hear the stories from Turkey, a beautiful country that has been totally destroyed by Fiat Cantilones. Um, shout out to Mary fellow Nigerian, I am a Nigerian, and um, our story is quite similar, you know. Um, our country has been raped serially by fiat central bankers to the tune of 1,200% devaluation. No, so, wrong, I made a mistake there. 1,200x, so 1,200x devaluation of our currency from 1970 to current date, you know, in 1970, one Naira could get you almost $2. Currently, one Naira, will, uh, $1 is about 600 and over $600. No, I mean, $1 is over 600 Naira. You can imagine the rate of devaluation that has happened over these years. So what I just have is like a comment. I don't have any questions. I totally understand what everyone, you know, has been saying upstage. And I'm, I, I, you know, I feel, you know, same way, you know, because just, I, I think someone on stage mentioned something that struck me earlier. It has to do with something that um, Sefidin has been talking about a lot in the Bitcoin standard and in, in many of his teachings. And that has to do with time preference. I noticed that this thing also affects people in Nigeria. And I think it's, at this point, we, cannot, we can no more say this is a theory. Like, I think it's a fact right now, even though Keynesians will not want to agree to that fact. And that is why you will never find it in any Keynesian textbook of economics. The fact that when people's monies are being devalued extensively, you will have a gambling spirit and it's a, it, that spirit of let us make quick gains. I, I see it a lot in Nigerians. We have this cryptocurrency group in inverted air quotes, you know, because of course crypto is nonsense. Bitcoin is the only thing that exists. But we have this cryptocurrency group, which I am a part of, 
the reason I'm in that group is I, I keep, you know, talking to these people about Bitcoin and why they should just abandon all shit coins. But it's like talking to a brick wall. Everybody wants to just gamble and make it fast. I keep talking to them. I, I, I hardly comment on that group again because everybody just wants to gamble. And I see that the cost of this thing, if, if you notice the trend, people in America, it's easy to tell someone in America, okay, there's no need to shit coin, just Bitcoin steady, stack and stay humble. When your life is easier and you can manage your day-to-day -day activities, your feeding shelter, you know, everything is still within manageable, acceptable standards. It's easy to see how someone like that can ho have a low time preference and, you know, accumulate for the future. It is difficult to tell people in the third world countries about this same thing or people in Southeast, you know, South America, people with places where there's higher level of inflation, high inflation or hyperinflation. People just want to gamble. This same thing occurred during the Weimar Germany we know about how the gambling happened in most countries where there is massive hyperinflation. You see this gambling spirit, and it's difficult to tell these people to stop shitcoining. However, like it's always said, people will learn either by education or they learn by experience. Unfortunately, most of those guys will learn by the experience. You know, if you don't learn from someone else's mistake, you will learn from your own mistake eventually. So it's sad to see. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. That. This is definitely a fact right now. You know, the relationship between money depletion, debasement, and high time preference is a solid fact. And we should not let any fiat cantillon central bankers confuse us on this, you know, topic anymore. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think that gave a great perspective. For I want to add my opinion about what he said. Uh, he said that low inflation countries, uh, for the people in living in low inflation countries, it's easy to decide uh, or easy to understand that they shouldn't go shitcoin way. Uh, on the contrary, they have more comfort zone than people who live in high inflation rate countries. Therefore, uh, like. Turkish people are more tend to become Bitcoiners or are more tend to understand what Bitcoin is than those countries' people. Because their comfort zone make, uh, make them decide not to move, not to change their point of view, in my opinion. And uh, that's why maybe uh, Turkish people, young Turkish people, are more tend to understand or more uh, tend to lean on cryptocurrencies that's sad part but also bitcoin that's good part the problem is we need to make this differentiate uh, or save people from going to shitcoin way uh, we have to teach them but before we try to teach them they have to make how can i say uh, they have to learn at least basics about economics so we cannot build something uh, without a foundation. That's the problem. That's the problem in Turkey. Maybe that's the problem of, of uh, a lot of high inflation countries as well. Thank you, baby Maxi. Jaime is holding up his hand. Thanks, Lucas. Uh, thanks, uh, everybody. Really good space. Um, I know that uh, some months ago, uh, 
President Nayib Bukele went over to Turkey, and you might have uh, dealt with this already. So, excuse me if I'm repeating or being redundant, but um, do you know what the outcome uh, of uh, Bukele's visit with Erdogan uh, was back in uh, a few months ago? And, you know, do you foresee anything happen? And I just want to also preface that by saying that, you know, you don't need government to really get interfere and, and set regulations, although sometimes it does happen. Uh, hyper Bitcoinization, I think, needs to start from the bottom. And, and I think so far, all the things that um, Turkey's doing are, are really positive. But yeah, that was my question. And uh, uh, thanks for holding the space, uh, Lucas, and organizing it. So uh, first of all, Ghost of Ragnar, I think it was a very passionate speech. And I really agree with you on everything. So I think the reason why uh, people with Naira or Turkish Lira, why they also use shitcoins is because they are so used to use a shitcoin. Like Naira is a shitcoin, Lira is a shitcoin, you know. I mean, Dollar is also a shitcoin, but was not as evident to many until like maybe the last year or something, you know. Or Euro is also a shitcoin or whatever, you know. Uh, Swiss franc is a shitcoin, especially since 2000s when they decoupled from gold. Uh, they were the last ones. Uh, yeah, so uh, we, we are already so used to volatility and using shitcoins here that, like, it, it doesn't matter if we gamble with other stuff. Like, that's how people think, I guess. Uh, on the second, uh, do Jaime, uh, yeah, Bukele was here. It was exciting, actually, like uh, because it was one of the first places he visited after, you know, like the Bitcoin standard stuff. And I think they had a good meeting. Uh, they discussed a lot of things between governments, but I don't know how much of a discussion went around Bitcoin because, you know, the accountillionaire wants to keep his countillionaireing powers, you know, and he really uses them well for his friends uh, as a president. So I don't know about that, but like uh, on a side note, a Turkish uh, El Salvador embassy in Turkey was opened last year. Uh, and now Turkey will open one in El Salvador. Hopefully, uh, this will improve the relationships between the countries, and we'll see how El Salvador is, you know, uh, doing very well. You know, oh, so okay, I said very well, but like, this is the thing. So some people say, well, the average price Bukele paid for Bitcoin was this much, so they are they lost thirty five million dollars, blah blah blah. But on an other side. You know, they increase their remittances by a lot. They in, they hit their tourism goal for 2021, uh, or they their goal for 2021 tourism was $800 million. In August, they had over $1.1 billion. Uh, so basically what I always say is, I also say this for Michael Saylor and Michael Strategy too. So, Whatever, I don't remember the exact number, but I think uh, Bukele spent $85 million, did an amazing marketing of the country, increased uh, export, increased tourism, uh, financially included a lot of people into Bitcoin, 
and on top of that he has 2301 bitcoin so yeah that was that was the thing uh i would add to that like uh, i think it's very optimistic for a country like turkey to uh adopt a bitcoin standard in the near future like that's way too much power for politicians to give away basically uh but they can start backing the local currency with a small amount of bitcoin uh just like gold uh that's i think a possible future uh and on the other hand i totally agree with uh jamie jamie Hamey, uh that this is a grassroots movement and turkey uh has a great climate uh it has great sea great beaches uh great weather uh great food uh nice people warm people so this can be a great hub uh for bitcoiners uh even though without uh the politicians uh adopting any of the uh bitcoin stuff as well I'm, so i kind of want to make people jealous from especially if we have listeners from europe yeah. um i know this year i could i live in an nice neighborhood of izmir you know like it's a decent neighborhood uh my electricity heating uh, water internet rent combined i paid under 250 dollars so yeah it's a really good place to stack sets the food is <laughs> really good to actually and who knows we may even have a bitcoin city in izmir someday so yeah yeah i can attest to that turkish food is amazing um i suggest we do a last question from alexandra and uh we move to a wrap-up session i'd like to hear each one of you uh share some of your um final thoughts uh anything you want to share but first alexandra go ahead please uh ask your question yeah um There was a time where so we saw an article where the president said that he had declared war on Bitcoin. Um, so I wanted to ask: Has there been any like, um, uh, like, like, like the government or the banking sector have been unfriendly in any way towards maybe banking or my or to Bitcoin miners? Uh, what happened when when that happened? Uh, I don't know if you covered this. Well, like declaring Bitcoin is like Don Quixote fighting the windmills. So yeah, <laughs> boom. But but there is no war either. So I don't know if it's worrying about something. Uh, the the legislation about uh, central banks that Kemal mentioned is only uh, for banks actually, and for the middleman that makes a money transfer. Uh, it doesn't include individuals or companies. or companies uh, that don't do money transfer so there's no such war against bitcoin or any shitcoin in turkey just okay. wanted to make this clear so thank you so much for excellent questions and um, should we start with alijan uh, would you like to share Uh, some wrap-up thoughts. Anything you can share your project, whatever you want. Please go ahead. Uh, again, uh, thanks for the spaces. Uh, this was a great opportunity. 
uh, for us to introduce ourselves. And if anyone from the audience uh, ever uh, wants to visit Turkey, please uh, get in contact with any of us. Uh, and yeah, besides that, uh, as I mentioned uh, in the beginning, we're working on this. Uh, it's actually a global uh, website and we want to actually localize this website into many languages. But basically we want to differentiate like in a very simple, in a very basic way, uh, just like what the fuck happened in 1971 uh, or other simple explainer sites. We want to uh, very succinctly uh, differentiate Bitcoin uh, from the rest of the uh, noise uh, in a very uh, non-toxic way let's say. Uh, so if anyone interested in this, please uh, get in touch with me. Uh, we want to make it open source. And yeah, so, so and thanks I, again, Lucas. Like this was a great uh, opportunity. Thanks. Thank you. And Alijan, this is your, say, non-profit effort. Uh, so you're open sourcing everything you're doing. I guess you're paying out of pocket to do this stuff. If anybody wants to contribute, um, how do they contribute? Uh, I haven't thought of that yet, but this is like a side project. So yeah, uh, if anybody wants to contribute uh, right now, like there's nothing I can show to you. Uh, we are actually building this uh, on a local server as of now. Uh, but once we actually launch an MVP or a very basic website, maybe that can make more sense to start accepting contributions, but <laughs> thanks for uh, the early <laughs> contribution effort. Uh, but yeah, let, let, let's first launch something and people uh, can see it. And if they decide it's worthy of any contribution, uh, then that may make more sense for them to do so. Thanks. Awesome. Hey, thank you very much, Alijan. And Baby Maxi, um, AKA, sorry, uh, your name, but uh, at C-M-H-R-Z-K-Z-S-R <laughs> is your <Okay>. Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, please share your thoughts. Uh, what can I say? I'm just baby Maxim. By the way, uh, I don't think maximalism is a good term because if you are a Bitcoiner, it's a Bitcoiner. Whatever you say or do is toxic to someone else. It's, your, uh, it's their problem, not your problem. So... Become a Bitcoiner, it's enough. Oh, baby Bitcoiner then, right? Yes, I prefer that too. Awesome. Baby Bitcoiner, thank you so much. Hey, look, so, uh, I'll, I'll just share a couple yeah. of thoughts and, uh, you know, just, just about Global Bitcoin Fest. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we feature a new country. I know you probably went through this at, at, at the beginning, but it just, you know, I know people jump up at the halfway through, but, you know, we're we're a pleb base. We're not sponsored by anybody. We do this because we love it, and uh, and we we're we're trying to give coverage to all the different projects and efforts by plebs everywhere in the world trying to uh, build uh, their communities around Bitcoin. And so, uh, yeah, I just you know it's it's nice to hear uh, everybody's uh, projects and companies and everything. But definitely, uh, you know, we're we're here for for the community and and we're plea based. So uh, just wanted to sort of uh, give you and and everybody uh, around our global Bitcoin team uh, a shout out for that because I think that we're 
we're uncompromising about that. And, uh, and, and I think it's, uh, uh, I know that as Bitcoin grows bigger, there's uh, an extreme and immense pressure to, to get uh, sponsorships and all of that. And we continue to be independent. So, and, and big shout outs to Lucas because he, he does do a lot for the community, including some of the giveaways and, and whatnot. So just wanted to acknowledge you guys. So, uh, Jaime and Lucas, do you guys use value for value podcasting? Or are you listed on them? So people can tip while they, they, they can stream your sets while listening. That would be nice, maybe. Could yeah. also help you fund the war chest. Yeah, we should we should get that in place. So I think it's we've, really we've simple. Been... It's so simple that I could do it. So <laughs> I'm not a very technical person, but it's easy. Yeah, let's do that. We've been focused on basically getting the uh, the weekly rhythm uh, as a really stable cadence. And actually, one thing that we do now, and all of you are welcome to join in to speak. Uh, we have uh, a, a weekly just social for anybody that's a globally confessed organizer or uh, a guest of uh, one of our sessions. And they tend to be very high signal. I'm actually amazed how good conversations are there. And there's no agenda. It's just um, uh, us plebs asking each other questions. So I can highly recommend to join um, a special invitation for you guys. Um, and let's move on to uh, um, Stackmore. Um, your thoughts? Well, my thoughts is... If I offer someone uh, to teach them Bitcoin, it's, uh, yeah, to make them independent, basically. I have really no way to make any benefit from it. And once people understand this and once people realize that other people who suggest you to invest in other stuff have agendas, things will be different. And... Uh, also, like, I would not want the Turkish government to own Bitcoin, you know, because I wouldn't want them to print out money, inflate the money, uh, buy Bitcoin and possibly steal it from us. So I hope it stays as it is. The government doesn't buy Bitcoin, but lets people uh, stack sets as easy as possible. Yay. Thank you. Mary, thank you so much for bringing uh, us in contact with uh, this amazing group of Bitcoiners. Um, your final thoughts. Thank you so much for organizing this space. Um, well, I'm actually so happy that this space took place. Um, Turkey is and will continue to be um, like a home to me even though I'm not Turkish, but I was born there. Um, and I'm so happy and excited that we have Bitcoiners in Turkey. And um, my belief is that as more of these efforts of meetups and um, you know podcasting and com Bitcoin community continues to grow, I believe that soon um, we'll have more Bitcoiners um, in Turkey doing amazing things. So huge shout out to the um, Turkish Bitcoin community, you guys are doing amazing. Yay, and thanks for co-hosting, Mary. El Flaco. 
Yay, Lucas! Thanks for having us. Uh, really cool uh, space and uh, and yeah, series with the Global Bitcoin Fest. Um, yeah, pleasure to be here. Um, I think what I would like to say, um, closing this out, is that the problems that um, people around the world have um, are very similar. And uh, I think the recipe that the 21 guys have invented um, in Germany and that we have basically forked in Turkey, and now there's a fork also in the Balkans uh, by Pavlenex called Dvadje, Dvadeset Jedan, and also a Italian fork uh, called Ventiuno. Um, and, and you can check out those at 21.world. Uh, I also ch shared the tweet in the nest. So I think localizing Bitcoin content into your local language, into your native language is really important because many people, um, like there's ex excellent material out there, but it's mostly in English and many, many people don't speak English. So if you want to do some good job uh, and help Bitcoin adoption, then um, starting like uh, either translation efforts, but also setting a beacon um, in uh, your local language um, where Bitcoiners can rally around and uh, form a yeah, Bitcoin-only community is uh, something that really works. Um, um, and it helped me personally find um, amazing friends, new friends here since I came to Turkey. Um, most of them, well, many of them are here on stage with Stagmore and Alijan and Jumho. Uh, yeah, appreciate you guys and I'm very, very happy that I found you. It makes my my life uh, as a Bitcoiner here in Turkey a lot more easier and uh, a lot more fun. And I can recommend it. Like um, there is this this shitcoin uh, noise is very loud in many many places, and um, yeah. So check out twenty one world. So that's the first thing I want to say. If you're in Istanbul, or if you have friends uh, in Turkey that are into Bitcoin, uh, as the Turks uh, mix it up uh, with crypto. Um, uh, send them our way, send them to Yirmibir Bitcoin um, on Twitter, on Telegram, or send them to our monthly meetup in Istanbul. Next one is going to be on Wednesday. Um, so it's Bitcoin only, it's friendly atmosphere, and um, yeah, everyone is welcome. And um, thirdly, um, I want to quickly shill the Adopting Bitcoin conference uh, that's taking place um, in November 15th to 17th in El Salvador later this year, so I'm a co-organizer there. Um, and uh, my, the company I work for, Galloy, is a co-host. So there was one, um, the first edition was basically after the Bitcoin law in November in 2021, which was a huge success. Bitcoiners from all around the world came together. So if you're planning to go to a Bitcoin conference uh, this year, uh, check out adoptingbitcoin.org. And, and yeah, finally, if, um, if you're um, looking to create a Bitcoin circular economy where you are, um, check out galoi.io. Um, we are making free and open source Bitcoin banking software. And, uh, which, uh, and one of the wallets that sprung out of it is the Bitcoin Beach wallet that is uh, being used in El Zonte and also the Bitcoin Jungle app that is being used in uh, Costa Rica for circular Bitcoin economies. So yeah, if you're if you're interested in setting up a circular Bitcoin economy where merchants um, accept Bitcoin and people pay in Bitcoin, then uh, yeah, reach out to me or um, yeah, over the website through the form. Thank you.
Thank you so much, El Flaco. I take great pleasure in listening to Bitcoiners shilling Bitcoin projects because uh, it's so important with all these projects happening. And um, I myself plan to uh, try to attend the Adopting Bitcoin conference this year. So I hope to see you there, El Flaco, and also a bunch of others here, I guess. Yeah. By the way, thanks again, Lucas. Was real nice having us here, or nice for you to have us here. And thanks for the stage. And yeah, please keep on doing what you do. It's very much appreciated. Thanks. And don't jump off just yet. I have one last thing that I want to do. But before I do it, I just want to share my final thoughts. I really enjoy this conversation. It's clear you guys are uh, serious maxis. And I'm very bullish about what you're going to do in Turkey now once you have a solid base with this community. It's really inspiring to listen. I can clearly hear that you're, you're a great team and uh, just a great group of friends. So I think a lot will happen. Um, I was really, um, it was cool to hear that uh, Turkey is the birthplace of uh, uh, coinage and creation of coins. That was a quite interesting thing that I learned. My father is an archaeologist and he has been uh, telling me, uh, he's written some books about uh, uh, Viking Age and in one of his books he uh, actually talks about uh, Turkish coins arriving to uh, Scandinavia via the Vikings uh, uh, a thousand years ago. So and maybe even even longer ago than that. One thing that also struck me as uh, particularly interesting was this uh, no distinction between Bitcoin and everything else and calling everything Bitcoin. Um, somehow I realized uh, maybe on a more profound level how uh, this uh, confusion of Bitcoin with shitcoins can be leveraged by central bankers to um, make uh, Bitcoin uh, haram, lump it into uh, with everything else. So, um, and of, uh, a lot of other interesting stuff has been said as well. But, um, these are some of my key takeaways. Thank you very much, oh, uh, everybody. <laughs> Before we go off, I'll end it weird, uh, but of course, why not? So Bitcoinovsky the other day sent me an article of this shrine in Turkey that was discovered last year, and it's uh, over 11,000 years old, older than Stonehenge and like anything else, you know. And the funny thing is that it's a shrine of uh, 11 erect orange penises, so... That must be a sign. Maybe Turkey was also the hometown of, yeah, Bitcoin. Who knows? It's funny. We're getting more and more crazy stuff here as we're wrapping up. But um, baby Bitcoiner. Um... Uh, I just want to add one last thing because you mentioned just now, uh, you know, people, there are people in Turkey consider everything is Bitcoin. It's ironic that it's Bitcoin's destiny because everything is Bitcoin. That's all I'm saying. Boom. What, that, what? I just want to say Global Bitcoin Fest, we're a group of plebs, as Jaime said. We'd love to hear those stories from local communities. 
We love to connect Bitcoiners from all over the world with each other. This part of what we're doing is kind of like a lonely planet for Bitcoiners. You can travel virtually and listen in. And if you're planning to go to Turkey or any other country, you can listen to one of these spaces and you can check out who was talking. You can message them directly and you can sit down and have a beer, which I've done multiple times uh, now with uh, Bitcoiners that I met through Global Bitcoin Fest in Panama and Norway. Uh, just I met Pleb Marcus in the uh, in Netherlands and um, in Amsterdam. So uh, please do it. It's a great experience to meet these people okay. live. Question for you. When beer and kebab in Turkey? Um, uh, I definitely want to come to Turkey. It's been on my to plan to go, uh, but uh, the pandemic has been. Yeah, stopping. plan ahead and let's make sure that you visit a meetup also. So it would be nice. Yes, please. And if you come to Vietnam, uh, please ping me. Um, or we meet in Adopting Bitcoin in El Salvador this autumn. Hey guys, how do you say goodbye in Turkish? Uh, can everybody unmute? I want everybody to be unmuted when we do this. Uh, how do you say this? Oh, güle güle. We have so many versions to say it. You asked wow. the wrong question. You asked the wrong and question. And I don't <laughs> think this is the this is the diversity of the Turkish Bitcoin community. Everybody said it in a different way. <laughs> okay, so everybody say it together, whatever you want to say. Please boom. Say it. Oh, there is no shelling points. There is no shelling points. Bye bye. Bye bye. See you. Bye bye. Global Bitcoin Fest. Celebrate Bitcoin adoption with Bitcoin communities worldwide.